Well, it's good to see you this morning. I encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs. You can turn to chapter 18. As has been the case the last few weeks, because we're in Proverbs, because of how Proverbs is put together, we're going to be looking at a variety of different Proverbs this morning, but we'll base ourselves out of chapter 18 this morning as we think about what the Lord would have to teach us today. Next week, we will be finishing our series. It's been about eight weeks in Proverbs, looking at a variety of different things throughout this important book of the Bible. And then on March the 3rd, that's going to kick off our public phase of the capital campaign we're calling Putting Down Roots. And in light of that, next Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., we're going to have a special prayer gathering here uh, on site. If the weather's nice and not too wet, we would like to be out on the property praying there, but if not, then we'll be either close to it or inside, depending on the weather next week. But next Sunday afternoon, this is an encouragement slash exhortation for you to join us for that time. Uh, we want you to be here. We want you as a church to be praying for what the Lord has for us in the future. And so if you can make uh, a commitment to being here next Sunday morning for worship and then Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. to pray together, that would be fantastic. All right, now we're going to turn our attention to Proverbs chapter 18. I want to read beginning in verse 1 down to verse 7, and I'm going to read verse 21. This is the word of the Lord. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Listen to verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to you this day, we ask for your help. Lord, that you would not only help us understand your word, but Lord, how it informs and instructs and shapes our life. And Lord, the reality is that much of our life is expressed in words. We recognize, Lord, the many times, the innumerable times in which we have failed and how we've spoken. So Lord, would you come now and teach us and shape us and make us more like Christ and Father, would that, would that be reflected all the more in how we speak? Lord, we ask for your help now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, words matter. They matter more than we often think. And depending on who you are, and there's a bunch of different, a lot of different research done on this topic about the use of our words depending on where you look and depending on who you are, it's estimated that average, and this really isn't an average because it's a range, but on, on this range, that, that humans speak anywhere from, on average, to 7,000 to even upwards to 20,000 words a day. 
Now, that's a large range when you think about that, and some are closer to the 7,000, and some are definitely closer to the 20,000, maybe beyond or maybe even below the seven, depending on your personality, depending on your job, depending on just your circumstance in life. But whether it's on the lower end or the upper end, the fact that we speak thousands of words on a daily basis ought to grab our attention. And the reason it ought to grab our attention is that the tongue is a powerful part of who we are. Your words, in one way, represent who you are. Represents what you're about. It represents what you believe. It's representative of how you think about the world and life in general. And so when you speak, you are revealing a lot of who you are. And we know that you can use your words for good or for harm. The Bible has a lot to speak, to say about the tongue, about the use of our words. In James 3, it was read earlier, James devotes an entire chapter to the tongue, calling it a restless evil full of deadly poison. And with the same tongue, we can bless God or curse men. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, as we just heard, says clearly that death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's a lot that can happen simply from your words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus said, On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Brothers and sisters, this is why the tongue, or our words, are addressed frequently in Scripture. In fact, there are some 90 different proverbs alone that are given to this topic of how we speak, or what our words, about our words, or about the, the tongue. It's really more than any other subject you'll find in the book of Proverbs except that of wisdom. Second to wisdom, the tongue is the next topic that is addressed more often in Proverbs than any other topic. Our words matter, and we need to be wise in the use of them. Think about this. God created us in his image. God is a speaking God. He spoke, and creation happened. And so God is a speaking God, and as those who have been created in his image, we are a speaking people. And because we've been created in the image of God, we ought to reflect the character of God in even how we speak. So it matters. And it matters much when it comes to our speech and our words and the use of our tongue. Now, there is no way in one sermon, unless we're going to be here till 5 o'clock this evening, I'm happy to do that if you want to stay, but there's no way possible, there's no way possible to cover all that Proverbs have to say in one sermon about the use of our words. And so we're going to get, get a good sense, really, this morning about how we're instructed in the use of our words as we Take a contrast between the wrong use of words and the right use of words. The wise use and the foolish use. The righteous use and the unwise use, or the unrighteous use of our words. And really that's where we're going to look today. We're going to look first of all at the wrong use of words. And then we're going to look secondly at the right use of our words. And we're going to see how the Proverbs instructs us accordingly. Let's begin, number one, with the wrong use of words. The wrong use of words. Again, I said earlier, we can do a lot of harm 
We can do a lot of damage with our words. Most of us know that by experience. You've done much harm and damage with your words, and you maybe have been on the receiving end of that. We know that that is the case, and so let's consider several ways that the Proverbs warns us against the wrong use or the improper use of our words. Let's let's just consider several things. We're not going to get to everything in the Proverbs, but we're going to consider a few. First of all, one of the things that we find in Proverbs is, when it comes to the wrong use of words, is words that are self-promoting. When we speak in a way that is self-promoting, it is self-centered, it is selfish, you can tell a lot about a person when they simply open their mouth, can't you? Here in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, it says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Have you ever talked with someone who is simply, they're, they're not interested. You can tell when you're communicating with them, they have no interest in what you have to say, but only in expressing their own thoughts and opinion about the matter. See, the foolish person is not interested in growing in his or her understanding, but only in sharing his opinion. It's a dangerous thing when we, when, we, when we engage people in conversation, and you can tell when maybe this about yourself. Just think about when you're engaging someone in conversation, are you just already thinking about what your next reply and what your next thought's going to be, not even listening to what that person's saying to you? So we can be very self-promoting in the way that we speak, can't we? Another way that this is seen is just simply in the the fact that we sometimes talk a lot. Now, I know that some of us talk more than others, and there's nothing wrong with, with if you're on the 20,000 end of, of the use of words in a day versus the lower end, the 7,000 words a day. We're not saying that simply talking a lot is bad, but it can be. It can be. If you are prone to being a talkative person, you can be prone to being a self-promoting person. Listen to what the proverb says in chapter 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. Friends, that should cause all of us who like to talk a lot to pause and reflect. Another proverb in Proverbs 18, verse 6. A fool's lips will walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. It's a dangerous thing, isn't it? Think about the use of our words, I Like what Abraham Lincoln once said, he said, Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubts. So true, isn't it? Scripture makes clear that we can sin with our lips in so many different ways. And one of those ways is simply being arrogant, being self-promoting, demonstrating your lack lack of concern or empathy for others. And a couple of things to ponder along these lines. Do you, just think about this in your own heart. Do, do you have a hard time listening to other people? Are you always confident in your own assessments of situations or topics, unwilling to, to hear others out? Do you have a hard time in conversation because you're only in, interested in advancing your thoughts or opinions? Do you dominate conversations? 
Now, it can be seen in a variety of situations, can it? You, do, you, do, you, do you have a tendency to dominate in your communication? That can be seen in one-to-one conversation. That can be seen in Bible study. Do you always have to be that person that has to have an answer in Bible study or in other settings, in meetings? Are you the one that always has to say something? It's fine if you have something on your heart, but, but we need to learn restraint at times. James is so wise in his account and counsel to us when he wrote in chapter 1, verse 19 in the New Testament there, James 1, 19, he said, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Friend, this is, this is tied up to last week's point about humility, isn't it? So many conflicts and so many challenges that we have and face in life can be simply avoided when it comes to expressing a little humility, being slow to speak, quick to listen. Think about how many conflicts in our marriages, our friendships, even our churches could be avoided if we would simply use restraint in our words and be more willing to listen than to speak. Let's not be so self-promoting as we go about talking. Another way that we can wrongly use our words is to be hasty. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 20, we see, he says, do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Not only are we often tempted to use more words than we should, we are often tempted to speak before we should. We often reverse the instructions in James, don't we? We're often quick to speak and slow to listen. Friends, the fool does not think before he speaks. A lot of damage that can be done in our relationships. We know this, we know it from experience, don't we? That once you say something, once you tweet something, once you post something, it's there. You can't get it back. And how many, I mean, all of us could give testimony to times where we have said something that is hurtful or even wrong. Maybe it's true, but it's just bad timing. And we wish that we could just have those words back. Proverbs warns us about not being so hasty in our speech. One of the best ways you can ruin a relationship is to be hasty in your words. A third way that we can wrongly use our words is to be untruthful. The Lord makes clear what he thinks about lying. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. And then in verse 22, he goes on to say, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. But those who act faithfully are his delight. I'm reminded of another proverb in Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies. Twice in that list, he references the lying tongue. And then he goes on to say, one who sows discord among brothers. So you have to use words to do that, don't you? And so at least three times in that list, he's referencing things that he hates, and all of them are related to our words. 
A lying tongue is something that God detests. And yet, how often, how often we go there. And sometimes we will we'll try to make it something less than it really is. We'll say, well, I was just joking. It was just an exaggeration. Well, I didn't really mean to say that. We just kind of downplay it. And we may, we may even get away with lying for a time. The Scripture says lying is but for a moment. But there will be a time where you'll be found out. And it's only, that the truth, it's only the truth that lasts forever. Listen, friends, when we are lying, we are imitating Satan because the Scripture says he is the father of lies. And so when you lie, it's satanic. Think about the endless ways we are tempted to lie on a daily basis. Lying, I think, has become one of those, I think Jerry Bridges wrote a book called Respectable Sins. Lying is one of those respectable sins. It's a sin, but we kind of, well, it's not so bad. Everyone does it. We see it in advertising. We see it in political life. We see it daily, just in work and school and various places. But friends, while it may be the norm in our culture, lying is repulsive to God. It's an abomination to Him. So let's not be untruthful with our words. A fourth wrong use of words is gossip. We could preach a sermon on all of these. We're just kind of giving you a... uh, sampling of them today. Gossip. Another serious issue that we're so quick to get caught up in, aren't we? Proverbs 11 verse 13, a gossip or slanderer goes around revealing a secret, but a trustworthy person keeps confidence. Proverbs 16 verse 28, a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer, the gossip, separates close friends. The problem with a gossip is that a gossip spreads information about others behind their backs, often exaggerating the truth and passing along rumors. Or it may be something that is true, but they don't have permission to to share that. We even get really creative as Christians about this. We dress it up as a prayer request, don't we? Well, I've got a prayer request, and really it's just a gossip session about someone that may or may not be helpful at that moment. But let's be honest, we love gossip, don't we? When you hear it, you're just like drawn in, aren't you? It just draws you right in. And before you know it, you're part of it. And frankly, we don't see it all that as a serious sin. We don't, we don't, we don't see gossip like the Bible sees gossip, do we? You know, there's a lot of sins that Christians like to rail against. They've got the list, you know, you go to Romans 1, 29, there's just a long list of sins there that Paul uh, opened up. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we've got our sins, don't we? We like to rail against certain sins, but in those lists of sins we like to rail against, right there you'll find oftentimes is gossip. Gossip is neither edifying nor helpful. And at the end of the day, it stems from pride because it fuels a feeling of superiority over others. 
Gossip is not something that reflects the character of God. And then another one is flattery. Flattery. Proverbs 26, verse 28, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. Flattery is smooth talk where you attempt to manipulate a circumstance or a person to your advantage. And those who engage in flattery, they're they're selfish people. They're self-serving. Flattery is not a compliment. Flattery is a form of seduction and manipulation that seeks to leverage your own agenda. This can be seen in many contexts. It can be seen to gain a relationship that you desire for your own benefit. It can, it can be done to advance your career. It can be done to elicit a reaction from someone who will in turn say something nice about you. Just think about these wrong, I mean, we could go, we could keep listing wrong use of words, can't we? But you just think about your week. Think about how you've used your words this week and how many times you've either been tempted or engaged in the wrong use of words in these ways. This week, maybe even today. I'm not talking about the person that, that you saw an example in. I'm talking about your own heart, your own tongue. Flattery, gossip, lying. These sins that that are so prevalent in our culture, being quick to speak, being someone who promotes yourself, not really listening to others, but just just advancing your own thoughts and opinion before, before others. As we need to see beyond simply the wrong use of our words, and we're going to see more of this as the sermon unfolds here. You know, we don't, we don't just need to say to ourselves, okay, I've used, wrong, I've used my words wrongly. I need to be better about that. I need to speak better this week. Friends, you're going to get that at a TED Talk, right? I offer TED Talks, but I mean, it's not, no, no, nothing specifically Christian about that. We know, though, that Jesus said, That it's out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. You don't need simply to talk better. You need hearts that are transformed. You need to go down deep into the root cause of our bad words. The the wrong use of our words is not just simply a matter of the tongue. It's ultimately a matter of the heart. And until we have hearts that have been radically changed by the gospel of grace, until we have hearts that have been radically encountered the beauty of Christ, Our words aren't going to change. We may clean it up for a week or two, but we'll be right back at it. Well, we've seen a sampling of the wrong ways that we can use our words. What does the proverb say about the right use of words? You know, I think it's important to say just because we can misuse our words, it it shouldn't paralyze us from speaking. Some of you are quiet people. You you tend to be quiet. You, You tend to be a little reserved in your speech, and so I don't want to to totally paralyze you from ever talking again, all right? God created you in his image. He created you to speak, all right? There's There's a time to speak, and there's a time to listen. The right use of words. 
There are many ways that we can steward our words for God's glory and for the good of others. Let's think about that for a moment. One way is we can speak the truth. We can be truth tellers. We saw that earlier when we considered lying in Proverbs 12, 19. It says, truthful lips endure forever. Lying is for a moment, but truthful lips are forever. And we know that it's impossible for God to lie, and we are called to reflect his character, his image. So truth-telling is to be like God. If, if lying is to reflect Satan, then truth-telling is to be like God. Telling the truth is a matter of righteousness. Think about that. As a Christian, your word should never be viewed with skepticism or doubt of anyone in your family, anyone in your workplace, anyone in your school. People should not look to you and say, you can't trust that person. We just don't know if they're, they're, where they're going to be on a particular day. If anything, people should look to you and say, they will always tell you the truth. You may not like it, but, but they're going to be honest. It's like As we said a, a week or two ago about the sluggard, Christians ought to be the hardest working people, the hardest studying people out there. Well, the same is true about the truth. We ought to be the honest people. Wherever we are, it's important to our relationship to God. It's important to our relationship to people that we tell the truth. It's in our truth-telling that we build trust with others, isn't it? That we, gain, that we gain a hearing, that we gain respect, that we can do good. There's so much we could say about that. The second point that we could look at is we need to use restraint. I talked about this a little earlier. Proverbs 10, verse 19, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But listen, whoever is prudent restrains his lips. You want to be wise? Be someone who restrains your lips. Proverbs 27, verse 27, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. I was thinking about what, what would this look like, and I was thinking about how many of you have a water filter pitcher at home? And one of those clear, they got a white top usually. You put water in it, and it seems like it just takes a while for that pitcher to fill up. That's a good image, of I think, of how we ought to speak. There ought to be some kind of filter on us where, where, where we're, we're speaking, but it's, it's, it's with restraint. It's, it's, it's intentional and careful and slow. There are so many contexts where this is important, and Proverbs speaks to many of these contexts. I, w- I want to just point out a few about using restraint. Because I think this is a challenge for, sometimes it's a challenge for me. I don't consider myself a talkative person except at 11 a.m. on Sundays. But even for me, it can be a challenge to restrain my lips at times because sometimes I just blurt things out. Maybe it's not all that helpful. Well, here's some ways that I think the Proverbs speaks to helping us restrain some examples. One, we need to avoid meddling. Proverbs 26, verse 17 says, Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Boy, we'd do good to learn from that, wouldn't we? You, 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 where you work or school or wherever you are, maybe a family, and you hear some quarreling going on. You, you hear a, an argument or maybe an intense discussion. Has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with anything about you, for that matter, but you overhear it, and you just can't help but, but speak into that. The Proverbs says it's like 
grabbing a passing dog by the ear, you're just going to get bit. It's not a wise thing for you to meddle in the affairs of others. You need to learn restraint. You don't have to, you don't have to say, you don't have to always give your opinion. I think that's a great lesson that I know I need to learn. I don't always have to give my opinion, especially when it's not asked for. A second way to learn restraint is we should learn to conceal an offense. Proverbs 17, verse 9, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. This has to do with forgiveness, practicing biblical forgiveness. When you have had a conflict with someone and and you have forgiven one another, this means that we're not going to bring things up again. We're not going to repeat something that happened two weeks ago or two months ago or ten years ago. We need to be willing to let things go. Cover an offense. Sometimes the scripture tells us it's wise to even overlook an offense. Use restraint. A third way is make your words count. Right timing makes a huge difference, doesn't it? This is where many of us have made a mistake. We need to say something but we say it at the wrong time. It's not untrue what we say. Maybe it's needed to be, to be said, but, but the timing is bad. Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. A word fitly spoken. You don't always have to say something, but when you do, you need to make it count. And it, is, it needs to be a, a fitly spoken word. And we know we've all said things when we shouldn't have said them. And we all have not said things when we should have, right? It goes both ways. We need to be people who speak at the right time. And that requires discernment. That requires the Holy Spirit to guide you. It requires leaning in to Him and, and trusting Him. Number four, this idea of using restraint, we need to speak to the right person. There are some people, some of us need to get this. I don't want to just say you, me too. All right, some of us need to get this lesson. There are some people we need to learn just to ignore. Not church family. Some people, it's just not worth engaging. Proverbs 9, verse 7 and 8, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man encourages, or incurs injury. Now, we have a responsibility and we have a duty to speak into people's lives. But listen, we need to make sure they're the right people. You have a responsibility and a duty to speak into your family, to your spouse, to your children to your siblings, to your parents. You have a responsibility to communicate with them, to speak to them. You, you have a responsibility to your friends, don't you? You have a responsibility, church family, to speak into the lives of fellow members of Redeeming Grace Baptist Church. You have a responsibility there. But there are lots of people out there in the world that, that it would just be foolish, a fool's errand to, to try to speak into their lives at a particular moment. Kind of putting uh, the, the last one with this one. Making our words count and, and making sure it's not just the right words at the right time, but it's the right person. We need to understand that. 
And this idea of using restraint is a dimension of self-control. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. I love what Proverbs 15 verse 28 says. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Friend, do you, do you ponder how to answer, how to speak? Do you take time to think through what your response to a situation ought to be? We need to learn restraint. It ties right into the next thing, and that's to be patient and gentle. Proverbs 25, verse 15 says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. You know, we we don't yell our way. We don't scream our way to influence and encourage people. One of the things that has annoyed me or irritated me in the last few years is there are times, how many of y'all have gone to a Washington Nationals baseball game? And as you're walking up to the gate, there's these obnoxious people with these big signs and megaphones, and they're preaching the gospel. Repent! And they're just yelling at everybody as they walk by. And as a Christian, it irritates me because I'm thinking, no one is listening to you. You're being a fool. That's what I want to tell them. You're not being helpful to to the spread of the gospel at all. You look like an idiot. Screaming people in the way to the kingdom is not the way it goes. We need to be patient. We need to be bold. I don't equate being ignorant and bold or, you know, using certain tactics as as being bold. I think it's just being foolish. I don't think it's helpful at all. We need to be patient. We need to learn patience and gentleness in our speaking, in our persuading, talking to people. It's a godly thing. A fourth way that we use our words rightly is to build up and defend Build up and defend. We, we read earlier that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we could go to endless examples of where we see how people literally have died based upon a command or an edict or something that was said and people literally die because of it. We have seen countless examples in the world where, where people have been saved and, and their life has been spared through, through the use of words. And I think that we find this ultimately in the in the communicating of the gospel, don't we? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And one of the passages that came to mind was 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. It says this, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing To one, a fragrance from death to death. The other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word. But as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. One of the most important ways that you can use your words is to communicate the gospel. In fact, I would say that's the most important thing that you can do with your words, with your tongue, is to speak the gospel, not obnoxiously, but faithfully. Communicating the work of Christ. Listen, people are not 
I know there's a lot of sayings out there and they're not just helpful. Just read the Bible and stay there, you'll be good. People are not going to be saved by looking at you. They may be curious why you live the way you do. Your, your life is a good model and reflection of what God has done in you through Christ. But people will not just look at you and say, I need to be saved. No, faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ, and we have to preach the gospel. We have to speak the gospel. We have to share the gospel using words for people to be converted so they can hear and be changed by the word of Christ, by the power of the gospel. And so ultimately, we find how we can bring death and life just through the communication of the gospel, right? But we know that this is also applied in many other ways. Our words can hinder and they can help. Proverbs 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. A word fitly spoken and a good word into someone who is weighed down will often lift them up. Other Proverbs speak to the good that our words can do. In Proverbs 15, verse 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Proverbs 12, 18, the tongue of the wise brings healing. Listen, people's lives, good or bad, people's lives can be altered by our words. How God uses our words in their life. Healthy words bring life, it renews, it encourages others in the midst of their struggles. That's why our words need to be filled with truth, with hope, with Christ. Because a good word will make him glad. Paul encourages us in the proper use of our words in Ephesians 4, verse 29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, fitly spoken, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. No corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only words that are good for the building up of others. Do your words build up or do they tear down? It's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to tear people down, even without meaning it. Carefully using our words to encourage and to build up and to speak truth and to speak hope into people's lives is what we are called to do, to be stewards of our words. As that can be applied in so many contexts. We know, we know that. As Christians, we are called to use our words in a way that serves the good of others. Another way that that happens is by speaking on behalf of the destitute. In Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9, we read, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the poor and needy. These are the words of King Lamuel's mother spoken to remind him of his duty as one with authority. And I think it's a helpful reminder to us all that, that we are called to use our influence and our privileges to speak on behalf of those who have no voice. As a Christian, we have a duty to use our words to serve and help people. And sometimes that means bringing attention to matters of injustice or those who are simply in need. 
staying silent will only, will only perpetuate evil in many cases. And if we're able to do good with our words, then we must. It is a calling that we have. One of the great examples of this from history is a man named William Wilberforce. He was in Parliament in England. And he was a Christian serving there in Parliament in England for a long time. And for some 46 years, that man stayed in Parliament faithfully working for the abolition of the slave trade until it was made illegal in the British Empire. Forty-six years, that man continued to use words to bring about change, to bring about matters of justice as a Christian. Friends, we too have this responsibility to be a voice for the voiceless. Just this past week or so, this whole mess that's come out of sexual abuse, sexual scandal in the Southern Baptist Convention. This, is, this sin is, is no respecter of persons or denominations. It's not just a Catholic problem. It's not just a Southern Baptist problem. It's a human problem. And you can find this in so many places. And if we continue to do what we've tended to do in the past and be silent and turn a blind eye and, and, and just kind of dig our head in the sand and pretend things aren't so, then we are being foolish we're being ungodly. We're, we're, being, we're, we're not being people who God has called us to be. And so we should never turn a blind eye to those who are being preyed upon or abused in any way in the church. We have a responsibility to use our words for the good of others, to speak on behalf of those who have no voice. We use our words to build up and we use our words to defend. Friends, as you think about this, we could go to many other texts and we can consider many other things, but I just ask you, for you right now, to consider this. What do your words reveal about you? Again, in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, Jesus said, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Friend, if your words reveal an evil heart, then your need is not simply to clean up your tongue. Your heart needs to be cleansed. Your heart needs to be renewed. We know that Jesus was the only person in history that never spoke an unguarded, self-promoting, deceptive word. And he died on the cross in order to take the punishment for our careless, our self-advancing false promising, slandering, gossiping, hasty words. He died for those words that you have wrongly used. He shed his blood for those words to die in your place, to take upon himself the righteous judgment of God who is holy, who is, speak, who is holy and speaks truth. He took upon himself those, the sins of those who are unholy and who are often filled with deception and depravity in our speaking. Friend, if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, your greatest need is not simply a new tongue. Your greatest need is a new heart. You need to be transformed at the root. And friend, that only comes through grace and by repentance and faith in a perfect Savior. 
And I would just urge you this morning, if, you've not, if you're not a Christian, to, to put your hope there. Don't put your hope in some technique. Don't put your hope in some kind of, some kind of new self-help program or some kind of this or that to kind of be a better person in how you speak. Put your hope in Christ. Be transformed by the grace of God, and then you will learn how to speak and how to communicate in a way that reflects the image and character of God. And Christians, we need to be reminded that it's there in the gospel. It's there in the gospel that we find our greatest source of hope and strength and power. And it's through the gospel, empowered now by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, that we have the ability. Don't leave here, Christian, saying, I can't, just, I, I can't help out the way I speak. Don't, don't leave here as a Christian saying that as a lie. And you are deceived if that is the case. You can speak righteously. You can speak words of truth. You can speak in a way that builds up and defends. You can speak in a way that honors God. You can use restraint. Not because you're wise or strong enough, but because of the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you. Friends, let's be reminded that that Christ died so that we all could have new hearts. He came to give you what you could never give yourself. The Father planned this long ago. Christ came and he accomplished it. And the Spirit of God now brings the Word of God to put new life into your hearts so that our lives reflect the beauty and character of God because of his work of grace. Friends, let's be a faithful people who speak well. But let's never forget where those righteous words come from. They come from a Savior who died in our place and who empowers us by his grace. And therefore, he gets glory and honor. And his gospel continues to go forth in power. So let's be faithful stewards of our words. Ultimately, as we seek to advance the gospel. Ultimately, as we seek to build up others in Christ. Let's be faithful stewards of our words. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your word. The fact that you spoke these words we read today and how they're transformative in our lives because of the power, because of the power of God that is upon them. Lord, we thank you for your inspired word. We thank you that you have given us truth. Lord, I can't help but think what our lives would be like had you never spoken. So, Father, we would ask this morning that you would help us be changed by your word and by the Savior who came to die for our sins, including including the sinful use of our words. Father, would you reach down into our hearts today and renew us? Lord, as we claim to follow you, I pray that you would help us see the beauty of Christ and the glory of all that he is. And Lord, that we would be dependent upon your Holy Spirit to walk in the power of God who gave himself for us. Would you help us to reflect your character all the more and may that be evident in how we speak. Father, it may be that we're here today and we've looked back in this past week and we just... We see a train wreck of our words. We, we see how we have mishandled situations. We see how we have misspoken. We have hurt people. Maybe there are, there are things we look back this past week and, and we should have said something and we didn't. 
God, there's so many ways that we can misuse our words. God, we know that we have a faithful Savior who's willing to forgive. If we would be faithful, if we would simply confess our sins, we know that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God, would you help us and lead us today to confess these sins to you? That we may be forgiven. God, would you search our hearts today and would you lead us to walk in faithfulness? And would you help us to speak in faithfulness, we pray in Christ's name.